hear your voice through your word. God, we just position our hearts today to receive from you. I do believe today you're knocking and standing here, knocking at each one of us, Lord, wanting to know if we'll open. And so today, I myself, Father, am here to say, here I am. Come and speak to me those things essential to life. Thank you for your presence here. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit, able to teach us and change us for Jesus' sake and for our benefit. We thank you for that now. We give ourselves to you. Amen and amen. <clears throat> well, if you were here last week, you know that we are talking about things about to come and that are already happening, but things that are happening in the world. And we took some time to look in the book of Revelation, which we said is a book of end things, God's plan and pattern for what's going to come in the end. And we said a lot of things in my, I was pondering today that uh, there would be people here this morning who were here last week, and I often do some recapping, but I'm trying to be careful to not spend too much time because I, I have to say, as I've been sitting before the Lord, I am like spilling over, okay, with stuff. I mean, I just, I can't, I can't contain, thank God for that, but I, I, I just like God just keeps talking to me and I'm like, wait, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm, I almost think that like John, you know, many times throughout the book of Revelation, the angel has to tell John, write it down. It's almost like he's just, <laughs> you're supposed to be writing this down. <laughs> and he's just kind of going, what am I, what's going on? Write it down. He kept over and over again, he's like, write it down, write it down. He's just going, wow. You know, and I believe, I'm telling you, I believe we're standing in a time when the Spirit of God wants to so overwhelm us. That he's having to remind us, there's a reason I'm showing you this stuff. I want you to see it because there's a purpose for your life with this information. And so last week we were talking about the end of the age where we're standing. All the troubles that are in the world and uh, God's prescription, God's path through it all, God's plan. And I don't know about you, but I'm interested to know what God has in store for the end of the age. And I want to be on point, and I want to be in my place doing the things God has spoken to me. So we hung out around the first part of chapter 4 primarily in the book of Revelation because John has an open heaven experience where he's invited up into the throne room of God itself. And John sees tremendous things that are there. You know, um, I left it up on the sign another week out there, but I basically just put the words, the world. What's next? What's coming next? Or however it says it there. And maybe you're here today, maybe you even came and you've been thinking about that because you want to know what to expect, what's going to happen next in the world. I mean, there's hardly a day when you turn the news on and you don't see some major problem getting closer and closer and closer 
It's already here on our soil, these threats and these things that are going on in the world today. And maybe you're here because you're just wanting some answers, and I, I'm like you, I share in that desire. I want answers. But I find it fascinating that we're often interested in information, and God is interested in relationship, right? So I need to know some things so that I can navigate all these problems, and God wants us to know. But God's primary objective is relationship with us. So this knowledge is something that is only obtained through relationship. This knowledge is only obtained through relationship. And many times we just want the information and God's like, yeah, I'm going to give you the information, but you're going to get it my way. And here's my way through relationship. So we started you know, last week by looking at Revelations chapter 1 and verse 1, and this is the revelation given to Jesus Christ about things that are going to come, that he, Jesus, might reveal them to his servant to reveal them to everybody else. So, so if you want to know who's got the information, this is Jesus' information. He's received it because God positioned Jesus to be the one that we would relate to relationally, intimately, mysteriously as it as it is you know uh, we're going to be his bride one day so you got to have the relationship that's the point and when you think of the book of revelation a lot of times you know you can't help but see all the woes and all the problems that are foretold in the book but i got to give you this verse before we jump into the main meat here today john 16 and 33 jesus is the one speaking by the way he's right on the th on the threshold of going to his own terrible death and here in John 16 and 33, he says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And so here Jesus is saying, I'm speaking these things to you for this reason. You know, you want to know why the book of Revelation was written? It wasn't to put us all into some kind of fear mode, you know. Oh my gosh, the whole thing's coming unglued. The whole reason God gave the Revelation, the entire book, but specifically the book of Revelation, is because he's spoken these things unto us that in him we might have peace. Not hand-wringing, fretting, and whatever. The whole goal of God is to give us peace. And he ties it right to, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. Just settle the issue. You will. But you don't have to lose your peace in the midst of the storm. That in me... So here's my deal today, and over the next several weeks, because i got so much bubbling around in me. My deal is that God wants a people who are settled and anchored and in Him. Because in Him, we have peace. In Him. You know, the real question is, where are we positionally? You know? With man, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. You've heard me say it before. The question is, who are we with? Who are we in? Where, where are we positioned in the midst of all that's going on and is going to go on in the world. You know, the throne. So John, 
gets this invitation and he sees a door that's opened in heaven revelation chapter 4 and he hears the voice saying to him come up here i want to show you things that are going to come shortly they're about to happen come up here john i want to show you about them and immediately john is in the spirit and what john sees the first thing he sees is the throne of god and god seated on his throne now remember God's invitation to John was, John, come up here because I'm going to show you things that are about to happen. And the first thing he shows him is the throne. And so here's what we said. I'm going to reiterate it because it's important. It's one of the most important points I have to make, I think, is that you want to know what the future is about. Here, I'm going to show you things to come. Come on up. First thing I'm going to show you is the throne. The things that you can bet your last buck on, whatever. That's going to be the future. You want to know what the future is about? It's about God seated on his throne. That revelation, God wanted John to see that first before he showed John all the other stuff that he was going to show him. He wanted his heart anchored. John, even though it's going to look like I've gotten off my throne, if you're looking at natural information, you're going to think God is absent here. God has gone on vacation. God doesn't care about creation. That's what the tendency would be when you look at all the chaos and all the problems. But God said right out the gate, I want you to know that the end of all things, that which is, that which was, and that which shall be, is my throne and me seated on my throne. I have, you know, the throne is the place of authority and rulership, and God wants us to know that there's a throne, and God himself has sat on the throne, meaning I have not left my place of being God. I am and forever will be God. Forever and ever and ever, and the church ought to say, Amen. He is the Lord, and for always will be the Lord of all things. So things to come. The throne of God. You know, we need a revelation of God seated on his throne. Because, and, and God knows what we need to see and what we need to experience. You know, what you see and what you experience leaves an imprint on you. We are constantly being imprinted. We're constantly being marked by life experiences. That's why... You know, even in the secular world, you know, you get into psychiatry and all these, you know, different approaches to heal the ailments of people. And they, ha they have discovered through many case studies and so on that people are the sum of their life experiences. Many times the way they act and the way they behave and what they do is all because of an imprint that occurred at a certain moment, which means God designed us to be impressionable. You can touch me with a certain emotion. You can touch me with a certain encounter and it will leave its mark on me. It'll actually shape me, right? Mold me into things. That's why so many people are going around crippled and maimed spiritually and emotionally because they've received many bad marks in their life through various difficulties and sin and the devil's efforts, which is why Jesus came to heal the broken heart to set at liberty them that are bound up. He gets his, that's his ministry, and because it's his ministry, it's our ministry as the church, right? So, the imprint, the mark, 
The church, meaning you, me, and those who believe. I don't want to talk about the church out yonder because we're talking about the church in yonder here today. Right? And we need a fresh mark made on us in order to navigate and weather and succeed in the days that are to come. John needed a revelation, an encounter with God seated on his throne so that John, who was in prison at the time on the Isle of Patmos, could be used by God to communicate, because he was going to get released shortly and make his circuit among the churches of Asia Minor, that John would have the goods to be successful as he finished his course as an apostle of the Lord Jesus, the last one who had seen the Lord running his circuit. We need that kind of imprint. And I'm saying that because God knows what we need to encounter. Now when you read the account of the throne that John saw, it's a little crazy. I mean, you've got four living creatures with six wings and one like a lion and a bear. I mean, it's all this, uh, you know, like a, a man, all these things. We'll read it in a second. You know, 24 seats and elders with crowns on, falling and worshiping and getting up and doing it all over again. I mean, this is what's going on. And you think, what can that image do for me? <laughs> you know what? But God gave John a radical view of what was going on around the throne of God to imprint on John something that would so embolden him, that would make him such a fearless witness. Fearless witness because of what he had seen. You know, we spend so much time looking and allow, at things and allowing lesser things to make their mark on us. We have to be so careful about what we're allowing to make its mark on us. Because I'm telling you, we are, like it or not, you are being imprinted by your experience and your exposure. And there is a choice we have. This isn't religious you know, legalism. This is simply, hey, if you want different results, try exposing yourself to different you know, influences. Let something else shape the way you're feeling. Let other things adjust your, 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 your shape really, in God. So John got this revelation, the throne, and all that went with it. God knows, I've come to this conclusion, God knows what we need to have. And so I'm asking the Lord, um, as we're taking time to consider things that are about to happen. The first order of business for me on the list, it, you know, I, I said this last week, I think, but you know, the most important sequential thing going on right now is not what's going on in Syria, Iraq, Iran, all those things, even though that all is important. It all has a place in the big plan of God. The most important thing on the timeline of God is a church who has beheld him on his throne. I'm convinced that God, it, you know, God showed John first the throne before he showed John all the other stuff. And I'm telling you, I believe this generation needs to have this sequence of imprint on us. So I'm asking God as we talk through and believe God, and I'm asking you to help me with this, with your faith, 
with your hunger, with your willingness to take what we're talking about here and experiencing here and going home and actually applying it in your life. Together, if we'll cry out together, or if we'll say, God, give me a revelation. Not just the traditional churchy thing. I want an open heavens view of what's going on around your throne. I want to know my spot around your throne. I want to know where I'm supposed to be seated and, and all that stuff. And in that place, God, I believe that the imprint that's necessary will happen and we're going to be the people God's needing us to be in this hour. So the throne. I'm going to just read to you the account because there's... It's just a fascinating account. Revelations 4 and 1. After this, John speaking, he says, I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven and the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and behold a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne and he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and car carn <laughs> carnelian thank you uh, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald around the throne were 24 thrones or 24 seats and seated on those thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion. The second living creature like an ox. The third living creature with the face of a man. And the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Wow. Now you say, that's pretty far out, <laughs> you know? That's, that's, a, that's a really interesting thing happening there. And um, Why, God, would you let John see all of that detail? You know, why not just God seated on the throne victorious? But we've got a, an, a rainbow around the throne. We've got 24 seats and 24 elders. We've got these four living creatures that are quite bizarre, you know. I mean, really, these are just weird creatures to us, very weird. And uh, but why, God, would you let John 
see all of that. Well, let me just give you, I, you know, I'm, in not, I'm not in a rush in the sense of like trying to get through all this, although I know we're on a time schedule today and I understand all of that. I'm talking about, I'm in no rush to unpackage this stuff over the next weeks and months and years and however long. Amen. As, however God wants, because I know I'm convinced we need a revelation of the throne of God. We need to be imprinted by God afresh. We need a move of the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Revelation to come over us and shake us out of our, our predictable stuff and all the things that we're just so, oh, yeah, oh, I know all that. Oh, oh, I've done all that. Oh, all the bored Christianity. We need that stuff shaken out and gone because we've had a revelation of the throne of God and we've gotten lit on fire by that revelation. That's, that's happening. You want to know what's going on in the world today? Right now, the Spirit of God is looking for a people He can imprint the nature and the character and the authority of God on. He's looking for a people. The rainbow. Interesting idea. This throne has around it a rainbow. You say, now why? You know, does God just like the color wheel? And decided, well, let me tell you that rainbow has a very interesting thing. Let me just read to you from Genesis 9. You know, most all of you know this, hopefully. But Genesis 9, God makes covenant with Noah, with the earth, after the flood, that he will never destroy the earth again through a flood. And he puts this bow in the sky, the rainbow. We see it and rejoice that the rainbow is there. But let me just read to you a principle, important principle. Genesis 9 and 13. God is speaking, and he says, I do set my bow in the cloud. Now remember, around the throne of God is a rainbow. And God is saying here, here's what this symbol is here, exists for. I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth. You want to talk about the book of Revelation? Talk about a cloud over the earth. The whole earth right now covered in a cloud. Right? And here God says, It shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the bow shall be in the cloud. And I will look upon it. God saying to himself, I will see that covenant which I've made in the midst of the cloud. I will look upon it that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. I love this idea that around the throne, remember we're talking about God's place, his seat of authority. He has chosen to put there the rainbow and God says, I want everybody to know first order of business, I want you to see my throne and I want you to know that I have not forgotten though there is a cloud over the earth and will be over the earth, I want you to know that in the cloud I have placed an eternal symbol that I am the covenant-keeping God. And the devil's not in charge. The devil's not going to win this whole thing at the end of the day. I, God, am ruling from my throne and from my seat. And here is this eternal symbol that when you see the cloud, also see 
the bow in the sky. So practically, let's get practical here. When you watch the news, also see the bow in the sky. God, you have set covenant. You are going to have a people for yourself and through the midst of it all, somehow. You know, it was interesting. Um, Anybody ever looked for the end of the rainbow? Come on, be honest with me. Well, I have had two personal occasions. I, this, I tell you this, amazing. In the last year, I have seen the end of the rainbow twice. You say, where's the gold, buddy? <laughs> where's the gold? It's in the building fund. Amen. <laughs> twice. No joke. First time. I was at a place where I go to pray. And uh, there's a pond that's there. And I just pull up and I was sitting there praying. And the storm had blown through. And there was a dark cloud in the background. It was kind of misty and whatever. And uh, appeared this beautiful rainbow. I mean, it was a brilliant rainbow. And all of a sudden, this thing, as the light, you know how the light changes and it gets more and more clear. All of a sudden, the end of the rainbow was right in the center of this pond where I position myself for prayer each day. Right in the middle of it. And I was like, how am I going to get that pond empty? i got to find that pot of gold, man. I mean, come on, we all, we all know that at the end of the rainbow, I'm getting ready to go there, baby. <laughs> Give me a second. <laughs> at that time, when I first saw it, it was kind of like, well, you know what? This place of fellowship, this place of prayer, this place of communion with God, that's the treasure of heaven. That's the end of the rainbow. That's the gold. And that's how it kind of hit me, you know. And the other time, my mom and I were driving home from Lake City, having seen my dad, driving down the road, and these, this be- actually two rainbows appear, which happens kind of frequently. Um, but this one rainbow appeared, and we were just stunned by it. It was gorgeous. We were driving, you know, the road was kind of winding and so on. And all of a sudden, we come around the corner, and the end of the, we drove right through the end of the rainbow. And I'm telling you, it was the most stunning. I thought, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm, I'm driving through the end. I mean, we came right up on it and right in through it. I tell you, it was, it was amazing. I was just shocked. And just the other night at home group, Jeannie Langley was saying she had the end of the rainbow show up in front of her house on the beach, right there in her little garden area thing they got there at the beach. Right up. Three times. I mean, I don't know about you. Have you ever had this happen? The end of the rainbow. And so I was thinking about the throne of God. You know what the end of, you know where the pot of gold is? The real treasure ultimately is, in fact, this place that we're describing here. You know, what are you running after? You know, trying to win the lottery? Oh, that hurt somebody. You know, where are your hopes? What are, I mean, what are you thinking? Like, if I could just get this, I could be secure. If I just had this, I could be at peace. Jesus says, I'm telling you these things that in me, you might have peace. In me, you might have peace. In the world, you're going to have a bunch of trouble. You want to know what the real pot of gold is? It's the presence of God, the throne of God, and you and I in our rightful place around that throne. Glory to God. So, right now, As we speak, right here, right now, in heaven, 
this is going on according to the scripture there's a throne God is seated on his throne and there's all kinds of activity I don't think we have all the detail here I think John got a flash and he wrote down what he could and there's a lot more to be seen there other scriptures that give other insights into the throne of God we don't today are not going to go into that stuff but nonetheless there is a throne set up ongoing 24-7 non-stop worship it's eternal so there's no time needed to describe it it's just forever and ever and it is that way now that said God's desire is that there is such a place here on earth and I know you know this it's real elementary stuff Jesus said when you pray pray this way our Father which art in heaven hallowed is your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth your kingdom authority your kingdom influence all that you are let it be on earth like it is in heaven you know Moses received the pattern of the tabernacle and then he was charged with building it down here on earth David received the pattern for the temple and then went out to build it and manifest it here on earth and I say that because as people that are on the earth we have a heavenly ministry that's very much like what's going on in the heavenly place so right now around the throne of God there's un, you know, bridled worship there ought to be unbridled worship on earth right now around the throne there are those who are responding to the presence of God four and twenty elders falling down their faces there ought to be on earth people responding to the presence of God I believe that I think everything that's there God's desire is that it show up down here and that the distance that we've so created with our Christian theology the distance between heaven and earth would be shrunk down to non-existent that where we go and where we walk and the way we walk would be heaven on earth manifest, the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus, he just, he rocked the religious world because he didn't come to talk about this stuff. He came to demonstrate this stuff. He actually showed these things to those that were there. So that should be our heart's cry. God, as it is in heaven, let it be here on earth. All right. So, if you're taking notes, if you weren't here, get the recording from last week. But I am going to just quick fire hose some notes at you, reminders to you. Around the throne, John sees 24 seats and 24 elders sitting on these seats. Right? We said, if you remember, that this, to me, I, I'm convinced of this. Uh, you can search it out for yourself. But this is a picture of a royal priest of believers you say how do you get that well there's 24 seats and in the priesthood Levitical priesthood 1st Chronicles chapter 24 the priesthood was broken into 24 courses shift work basically where priests rotated on weekly cycles 24 different courses you can read it in 1st Chronicles chapter 24 and it's there so you got 24 seats a picture of the priesthood these guys are wearing crowns Right? That's what the Bible says, because they throw these crowns down at the feet of the Lord around the throne. Well, what does Peter tell us? First Peter 2 and 9, you quoted it there, Maria, that we are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation called to show forth the praises. What are they doing up there? 
Come on, they're worshiping and they're praising the Lord. So to me, it's very clear that these people seated around the throne, 24, there's more than 24 individual people seated around the throne of God. It is a prophetic picture of a larger thing, the priesthood of believers. It's a symbol, if you will, of the priesthood of believers. And where are they seated? Around the throne of God. God's not, you know, it's not like we're asking God to seat himself around us. We've decided that he's at the center. So this priesthood of believers, God, God wants John to see a government, his government, and then the government of others that are seated there who are letting him be the center of everything. Okay? And if you weren't here, I'll just take the second to say it. Those seats, I'm convinced... It's not just for the elite and the perfect and the highly spiritual. Luke 14 says there was a great supper. You remember the story. You can research it. And those who were bidden didn't come. And then the master says, go back and get the halt, the blind, the main. And they'll come. And they came. And he says, my house is going to be filled. Every one of those seats around the throne of God was filled. But I'm convinced it was, it was filled with not so much the hyper-spiritual as much as people who said, you know, God... <laughs> If you're, you're inviting me to come and be there I, you know, it's, it's, it's a broken people it's a humble people it's not an arrogant people this is the people who are more fascinated with God than they are fascinated with themselves and we've got too many people way too fascinated with themselves today and we've got a church at large throughout the world who's way too fascinated with men and women of personality and listen thank God for anointed men and women thank God for great ministries but when the conversation at the end of the meeting is centering around the preacher or the worship team or something we've missed the point and we've not seen the glory of God I'm convinced of that you'll, you'll know this group of people seated around this throne isn't talking about hey you look good man you sang, when you fell down and threw your crown you did that with such Wow. Can we go have coffee? I'd like to get to know you. That is not what's going on around the throne. I mean, people are in staggering awe of God. That's the nature. You might not agree, but it's okay. It's the nature of this priesthood. He's at the center. They're in awe of Him. The conversations land on him the beauty of the Lord so John the revelator is sucked up into heaven he's called up and he responds to the call and he sees the seats that are available and he sees people seated there that's a priesthood of believers and um, and then John is exposed to radical worship radical worship and you've got these creatures these angelic creatures uh, that are crying holy 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 and as they're crying you know it's interesting the, these are the seraphim and the name seraphim it's an interesting word it means the burning ones or from a root word that means to make to burn so you've got these creatures whose very name means they're on fire but I like the idea that the root of the word is they're not only on fire, but they like to make other things on fire. They, to cause to burn. Right? So that which is around the throne of God is contagious. It's contagious. 
So I take some instruction from that personally because you think about it, the 4 and 20 elders are there and when these seraphim, these really strange heavenly creatures are crying to each other, holy, holy. it's like they're, they're drawing John's attention and the elders' attention to the thing that matters most, the one on the throne, and they're calling to that end. And when they, when they do that, the 24 elders catch what they've got on them. They're basically lit up with the same fire that the seraphim have because it says every time they do this, by the way, they do this forever and ever. So I, 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 tried, to, I tried to get this in my mind, how this must look, you know. You got these creatures, these strange creatures flying around going, holy, holy. Some have said, how can they do that forever? I know you've heard this many, but listen to it. How, really, you think that forever and ever and ever, never ending, creatures are crying, wouldn't that get boring after a while? And here's one person's interpretation, I like it. That the reason they're crying holy, 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 every time they say the word holy, it's because they're seeing something they've never seen before. It's the first time they've ever seen that facet of God. And they've been doing this from eternity past and will do it for eternity future. If you want to get eternity and time mixed up, there you go. For never ending, never ending. They're not bored. They're in awe forever. Oh, to be a people in awe forever. You know, God has the wherewithal to make us in awe forever. Bored Christianity is not real Christianity. Bored Christianity is not real Christianity. We're not beholding the one seated on the throne. And we've got to get to a place. I hope you're with me on this because this is where I feel God's pushing us and drawing us and calling us to. Where we, we despise everything that's less than that. <laughs> you know what? That's just not... Uh, th that's just below who he is, you know? And I'm just choosing to not... I'm not going to sit my seat. You know, there's 24 seats there. One of them's for you. It's a place. Mark's your place. I'm not going to sit my seat around something that can't inspire me and change me and, 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 and move me to greatness because that's what I was created for. It's what you were created for. So the real question is, wh which direction is your seat pointed? You know? So these creatures are, 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 are doing this forever and ever. Holy, holy, holy. And the, and the four and twenty elders, it says that every time they hear these seraphim worshiping like this, they fall down, throw their crowns. Worthy are you? They, okay, so I've got to think about that. They do that. So wait. So then at some point, they've got to get back up, <laughs> sit down, and then they start all over again. Holy, holy. <laughs> over and over I mean you think are we tired of this yet is this you know like how many pastor how many times are you going to play that song I mean come on until the heavens open <laughs> I, you know listen God sees us and he just I believe he's staring at our hearts beyond all the external stuff that we tend to stare at holy 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 responders fire setters so what would happen if together we set it in our hearts, you know, David had it in his heart to build a place for the name of the Lord. What would happen if, as a local church, we just decided, you know, you're going to prioritize certain things in your life. Every ministry should have a vision. 
You know, what's your vision? How about the throne of God? What are you, what are you, what are you all trying to accomplish in the earth? Well, want to be in my place around the throne so that the impact of what's going on around the throne is contagious. It's actually moving me out of my seat and everywhere I go, that which is on me gets on someone else. That's a pretty... You know, we have this saying, touching the heart of God and restoring the heart of man to be there with him at the center empowers us. Burning ones. Those who've been with him are contagious. Have the ability. You want to affect your family? You got loved ones you're believing for? Let us press into the presence of God. Let's let God help us make his print, his mark on us. And then let that be the catalyst. I was thinking about these seraphim. You know, this whole picture is brought out again in Isaiah chapter 6. You should know this, hopefully, if you've seen this one before. Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1. Isaiah sees the throne, and he actually sees the seraphim. He sees these same weird creatures flying around the throne. Let me read it to you, because it's got some really important information in this revelation that Isaiah has of the throne of God. Isaiah 6 and 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. There it is, the throne. High and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two they covered his face. With two covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, here's, the, here's, here's what that did to Isaiah, Woe is me, for I am undone. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal, that he had taken with the tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched my lips, your lips rather, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And immediately after that I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. In the year King Uzziah died, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord. Uzziah was a good king. Of all the kings, you know, uh, Israel had, there was 20 kings in the northern kingdom, 19 in the southern, zero good kings in the north, eight good kings in the south, and Judah Benjamin. Uzziah was one of the good kings. He screwed up a little bit towards the end there when he tried to burn incense. He stepped out of his, his protocol there, his role. But overall, if you were to grade Uzziah, he was a good king. He did good for the nation of Israel. And yet here we've got Isaiah saying, in the year that he died, I saw the Lord seated on his throne. I think this is real plain. It simply says this, that many times we have our hopes on earthly governments 
and political things to fix the problems of the world. But in the year that they die, I'm talking about in our expectation, the year that, that we stop putting our hope in earthly kingdoms and earthly governments and such, in that year were candidates to see the Lord high and lifted up. I think one of the reasons we can't see the Lord is because we're staring at other kings and other leaders, other people. And God's saying, listen, that stuff's got to die for you. You've got you to you let that stuff be what it is. In the year that King Uzziah died, then I saw the Lord high and lifted up. You know, we, last week, some of our kids quoted a Bible verse from Isaiah 9. Great Christmas Bible verse. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And here it is. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there shall be no end. Did you know that the increase of God's government is the decrease of our government? The increase of God's government is the decrease of our government. We all want God to grow in authority so that we can have authority. In our, you know, but listen, here's the deal. His, he must increase, John says, I must decrease. Right? So in the year that King Uzziah died, decrease of earthly government, there was the increase, in Isaiah's mind, of his government. I saw the Lord. And here's how I saw him. Seated on his throne. And around him I saw these really amazing creatures crying, holy, holy, holy. And as they did this one to another, Isaiah brings out an interesting detail. They're crying to each other, holy, holy, holy. And as they talk to each other, the door of the threshold shakes. Now we're talking the temple, got the throne, got the temple. And as these angelic creatures are communing with each other, and I believe this principle applies to us as believers, as we are sharing with what, one another what we see. You know, the 24 elders are seated how? Around the throne. Meaning they're each seeing a different piece of God. Not any one Christian sees all there is to see. We need each other. Those holy seraphim are crying to each other. Holy! As it, that's what it says. They're talking to each other about what they're seeing. If we could get to the place where we could actually appreciate the fact that I'm not going to see what I need to see in God until I have a relationship with you that's real and meaningful. We can share. Well, as they're doing this, the doorpost shake. You know, God, why all this detail in the scripture? What is a door? A door is a place where people come in, and a door is a place where people go out. Hear this now. I'm, I'm casting vision right now. Hear this. If we will set our hearts for God to be at the center, all that we do, all that we say, it's about His glory, not our glory, and so on. I believe there will be people who will be drawn in through the door. The presence of God will draw people. Did you know testimony upon testimony of people who've been driving down this road and felt pulled 
to this local church by the presence of God. Happened to me personally. Right? I believe if we're a people that put God at the center, heaven on earth, take our rightful places around the throne of God, make it about Him and not about us and all that good stuff. I believe that the door will shake. And I believe in the shaking of the door, people are going to come in and they're going to experience the presence of God and I believe people are going to be sent out from that same presence of the Lord. You say, how do you see that? Well, right after Isaiah sees this, what does he say? Woe is me. Well, first he says, woe is me. You know what happens when you get in the manifest presence of God? It's not a bunch of arrogant boasting. Like, look at me. You can tell how manifest God is in any given setting by, oftentimes, by the conversation and by the overall demeanor and spirit. If it's exalting men, if it's self-exaltation, if it's pride and all that kind of stuff, I have to personally wonder how much of the glory of God was in the room. Because Isaiah, I think, gives us a real clean picture. I saw the Lord, and here's the impact it had on me. I was undone. Translation, ESV translation says, I was lost. I was, I was, you know, it, it's not, it, it's not going to produce a boasting people. It's going to produce a broken people. And in his brokenness, he confesses his sins. You know, you read historically acts of revival and listen to accounts of revival. Often they come with divine manifestations of the presence of God and people weeping and broken on the floor just humbled before the presence of the Lord Lord I am undone have mercy on me and in that place God comes down and makes his imprint so Isaiah is there confessing his sin I am a wicked man and I dwell this is, this is what this throne vision did to him and I dwell in, are, we, are we willing to be in such a place are we willing to be in such a place where the Spirit... I'm not talking about preachers trying to make you feel guilty. I'm talking about the presence of God coming and exposing our need. Not smooshing us to destroy us. I'm just talking about giving us a reality check of who He is and, and where we are and, and helping us. That's what it's about. Are we willing to be that people? God. So He says, you know, I got my own issues and I dwell with a bunch of other people with a bunch of issues too. We're, we're just a mess, God. That's what Isaiah says. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people with unclean lips. And then at his, hear this, at his confession, the presence of God brought this kind of confession to the light. At his confession, one of these angelic creatures took one of the burning coals from the altar. You know, confession is good for the heart. It's good for the soul. And he brings a burning coal, a cleansing coal from the altar. And he touches his lips. And he says, now your iniquity and your sin is removed. You know, the, the presence of God isn't designed to condemn us. It's designed to deliver us from the things that are holding us back. And so he gets cleansed. And immediately 
after he's cleansed, he's had this encounter, he hears these words. God the Father talking to God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Who will go for us? Now, he's getting a picture of the heart of God. Remember I told you the door's going to shake? People are going to come in. People are going to be undone by the presence of the Lord. People are going to are going to get cleansed from some stuff. Burdens are going to come off. Chains and monkeys on people's backs and things holding us down. Deliverance is going to happen in the presence of the Lord. And in that place, forgiveness and cleansing and healing. And then, those same doors that are shaking, who will go for us? We're not talking about just being the glory club come and let's just all we're going to do you know no we're talking about a people that have caught the heart of God and that heart is to redeem a lost world the door shaking people coming people getting delivered and people going and immediately Isaiah now sees himself as a candidate before totally disqualified got all my issues. You know what the presence of God will do for us? It'll help us. It'll, it, well, it'll, it'll, it absolutely will. It'll help us to see that what qualifies us is His touch in our life. Not our own goodness. And all we're saying is, God, here I am. Send me. Send me. Isaiah's words were, because I have seen the King I am undone. So, maybe you came today because you wanted to know what's about to happen in the world. I'm convinced what's going to happen, God's going to stay seated on his throne. Around that throne, he's got a rainbow, he's covenanted with his creation. I'm convinced that God is calling people to take their seats around that throne. You have a calling. Question is, like Luke 14, are you too busy for it? Am I too busy for it? Are we going to answer the call for, for our, our seat? And in that place, God's wanting to know. This is, you know, the, the nice thing for me today is that I'm just the message boy. I'm not responsible for how you're going to respond, although I feel burdened, I have to be burdened for my own responses here. I'm like, God, you know, what does this look like for me? You know? I want to be in my seat. I want to be a part of, you know, uh, this great move of the Spirit of God in the earth. I want to put you at the center. God, if for some reason I've got other stuff at the center, would you help me? I want to answer the call. And around the throne, around the Lord, shakings and lightnings and thunderings. Holy, holy, holy. Deliverance and being commissioned to do the things God's called us to do. All of it around the throne. There you have that. And you don't even have to pay Comcast or cable to get that information you got it right here in church where you should be getting it from. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to worship a little bit. 
And uh, I've asked uh, Pastor Christie and a few others to uh, make themselves available if you'd like prayer. But we're going to just take a, just sing a song to the Lord together. You say, well, why would we want to finish that way? Well, because in my mind, we're making a commitment to begin to put God on his throne in our, mi- in our minds, in our hearts. We're going to worship him because that's what's going on in heaven. Amen. Amen. And as we worship the Lord, I don't know what other, you know, hopes you've had in other kings, other kingdoms, other things that are letting you down, but this is a great time to let Uzziah die. Amen. Let Uzziah die and see the Lord. Amen. High and lifted up. Amen. And his train filling the temple. So come on, worship team, if you will. And you can jump up on your feet or ease up onto your feet. This may be the case. Prayer. Uh, somebody just to get agreement with you. Feel free to come uh, and receive that up front.